Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Mark and Sarah talk, Mark and Sarah talk, Mark and Sarah talk about songs. Talk about songs. Yes, we do. And sometimes we talk about songs by a premier diva of our generation. Uh, I'm Sarah D. Bunting. I'm here with Mark Blankenship. And that theme song was our opera theme by Andrew Byrne. We are ranking Madonna's Greatest Hits Volume 2. Mark, how is that going to work points-wise before we get into this very long list of excellent slash terrifying songs? <laughs> well said. So here's how it goes. There are 15 songs on GHV2, which means we have 15 point values from 1 to 15 that we can assign to a song. Sarah and I will go through the tracks chronologically, and we will assign each song the number of points that we believe it deserves given our own personal rankings. Hence, the song that I feel deserves to be at number 1 will receive 15 points from me, but the song that I believe deserves to be in the very bottom of the ranking will only receive one point from me and so on and so forth throughout we will also be discussing the points that have been awarded by our patreon patrons and they were polled to see how they would choose their favorites from this album and as always happens their points and their votes will almost certainly end up altering the ultimate placement of these tracks i cannot wait to jump in uh sarah i feel like there are so many things to say that we should just I could make a big, long prefacey statement, as I'm sure you could, but I feel like we should just go right into it and just let the let the the large statements discover us as we talk about the individual tracks. Uh, yes, which I have no doubt is going to happen. Uh, so let us begin. Actually, why don't you kick us off with the first track on the album, which is deeper and deeper, but it's an it's a different edit than. Then you might have heard on the radio, you did call for a clip. Yes. Um, for and the one. truth is, GHV2 is an album I never owned because there was no need for me to buy it as there were no new songs on this album. But I do, of course, know every song on this album. So the edits that appear on GHV2, girl, I don't know. I just basically am talking about the songs as I know them. Uh, but one thing I also want to add is that we have called for a lot of clips in this episode, which I'm also very excited about because there's just so much to say. But yes, the first song on GHV2 is Deeper and Deeper. Here is a little snippet. and Deeper was the second single that was released from Madonna's 1992 album Erotica. It peaked at number seven in the United States. And I feel that this song is a disco masterpiece that was released about 15 years after everyone said that disco was dead. This song is so over the top in its arrangements. There are flamenco guitars. There are loud thunder. <laughs> 
There are castanets. There are loud thundering bass lines. At the end of the song, she sings a line from Vogue. I have always loved this song. And when I went and saw Madonna on the Rebel Heart Tour a few years ago, everyone that I went with had a special Madonna shirt custom made. And the shirt that I chose had a lyric from Deeper and Deeper printed on it, which was this feeling inside I can't explain uh, line from the bridge of this song. I loved hearing this song live at the Rebel Heart Tour because it's one of those songs that I feel like just isn't as well remembered because eventually when you have so many hits, there are just going to be songs that were hits that people don't hold on to as well. And for me, though, this one is really just a great rave up dance jam with the perfect amount of over the top excess. Uh, Sarah, how do you feel? Um. You know, I listened to the album in order, and I was a little surprised at the end of my listening that this really had some staying power um, in the list. Uh, it's not in the very top, but it, it hung on. And the thing is, like, the song does that, too. Like, it starts out, and you're like, this is too much. And the the lyrics are like, Icky. Like I let my father mold me. Like don't, <laughs> I don't need to. I don't need to hear your whole life. Um, but oh my god, if you are gonna, you can't go ten seconds without hearing Madonna talk about her family in one way or another. It's true. Yeah. Um, but it's an interesting vocal. Like the the lower register and spoken word bits feel like there was a lot of stuff off this album that you're just like, oh my god. Like we fucking get it. You like to fuck. Settle down. This feels much more genuine, like, and this, like, slow pivot that took, uh, like, 10 years to complete back to her disco roots, this is, like, a the signal of that, or, like, the um, uh, test firing of that, I guess. I think this song actually works better on the dance floor than just, like, listening to it for a close read on a podcast, but I love it. I love that flamenco bridge i love the high harmonies at the end i love the vogue snippet it's like why who cares why um you know the lyrics not great but there's there's way worse out there um yeah this was a this was a pleasure to come back to and reappreciate. and i had it at number six on my list with 10 points. nice and i also want to give an extra shout out to this music video which has Debbie Mazar in it. She's a frequent she has frequent appearances in Madonna videos. At one point, Madonna's wearing an enormous blonde afro wig. She's watching. It's all set in the seventies. She's watching some stripper at a party and like seductively eating a banana while a stripper in a cowboy hat is dancing around in front of her in briefs. It's great. Uh... Um, you know. So the the patrons. It was fascinating with this poll uh very often when we have our patrons vote on songs on albums that we're ranking you'll see that almost every song on a classic album gets someone's vote of approval and on this album it was very interesting because there were clusters of songs that all got a lot of votes and then some songs that got a few votes and then some songs that got no votes which i feel like is such a testament to what it was like to listen to madonna's music in the 90s because she decidedly stopped making music that was easy to like that was easy for everyone to like i mean she had tons of hits she of course kept making great songs but she she used her mainstream clout to make some very interesting musical detours in the 90s and early 2000s which is the period that this album covers and 
she definitely stopped being an artist, I feel, that was going to be right for everyone all the time, the way that she essentially was in the 80s, and you see that reflected here. Um, Sarah, I will let you respond to that after I, <laughs> if you care to, after I say that. Therefore, the way that I've done the rankings for the patrons is there are a couple of tiers where if a song was part of the middle cluster, it got eight points, and that's where Deeper and Deeper is. But I... So it gets eight points from the patrons, and I put it fourth and gave it 12 points. So, Sarah, you and I not so far apart on that one. Okay. And uh, next, I can't remember. I don't think we have a clip for Erotica, or do we? No, no we, we do. do. Great. Play it up. Um, yeah. This, uh, like, the she's eating a banana and watching a stripper and trying really hard to make sure everyone within the sound of her voice is completely 100% acquainted with the fact that she wants to ride some D. As we'll hear in this clip. Okay, look, <laughs> first of all, like anyone is not going to do what Madonna says. Are you <laughs> fucking kidding? Uh, but here's here's my real issue with this song. Um, it's basically what I already said before. This is not actually like dead last, but it's it's close only because like there's a bunch of things like aurally annoying about this, like that weird squeaking on the um, rhythm track, like. I can't decide which possibility is more annoying. That it is supposed to evoke bed springs? <laughs> or that it isn't? Like, I'm not sure which I would prefer to be true. Um, here is the thing that definitely is true. I don't think I'm going to listen to this song ever again. It's a waste of a pretty tight, sexy beat. Like, the drum, like, the trap, Like I would, like, that's a good start. And then the just goofy try hard lyrics just fucking ruin the mood that's like that when she's supposed to when she's gonna rhyme something with uck and then there's a, ah, like okay <laughs> okay okay like wh can we just fuck so that you'll shut up about fucking oh my god <sighs> 13 three points mark uh, um similarly the patrons put this in the bottom cluster so to speak and uh, <laughs> they, I'm giving it two points from them. I, I think that try hard is the right word here. I, the thing that has always been interesting to me about Erotica, the album and the song, is it seems to me to be in many ways a failure of tone. Madonna can't <laughs> seem to decide if she's serious or not about what she's saying. Yeah. Like, are you joking or point. are you not? Because if you are, if you're, if you're meaning to be knowingly 
ridiculous than the I'll give you love, I'll teach you how to. Uh, uh, that's great. Okay. And if you're trying to be serious <laughs> and provocative, then it's not working. And I feel like because this album was released at the same time as the sex book, at the same time as that movie Body of Evidence, where she pours candle oh, wax all over Willem Dafoe. Jesus. Her whole decision... Madonna is someone who has always been in control of her image and career. And the fact that she just decided to use the 1990 to 93 period, roughly, to be hardcore sex bitch, it's like... I, I Well, and also... Like, if I can just interrupt you for a second. Yeah. Let's just assume that it's like, maybe she's trying to be a humorous. Like, she's not. That's not possible for her. That's not something she would try. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? That it's like having a sense of humor about anything to do with herself, I think is not. Like, you want you want to believe that maybe that's why some songs fail is because she was trying to do that and she can't. But it's like a sort of humorous... Far, like sex farce take on sex I think is not something that would even occur to her to try to do it's all got to be like deadly serious well and the thing that's so interesting is that when she was doing her serious attempt at fusing religion sex and pop music on like a prayer it managed to somehow be effortless in a way and I feel like the 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 first half of the 90s for Madonna are a dick are a period when there wasn't any sort of effortlessness to her music. Everything felt very, very, very worked over. And honestly, I think that sometimes the, the results of that were great, as we will see. As I well, Deeper and Deeper is a song from the same album that actually really works. But it's clearly like, yeah. there's a, like a hundred things happening in that song. It's not, not like causing a commotion, which we talked about on a recent single, available to the public if you go to our Patreon page. Um Causing a Commotion is a song where it's just like, there's just such a bubbly effervescence to it. And a lot of the songs from this period are really heavy, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Now, that said, I do love the stanky groove on this song and have always loved it. And I think also just because I was uh, 13 when the song came out, I'm always going to have a little bit more of a soft spot for it. So I put it right in the middle. I put it in eighth place, which gives it eight points from me. And uh, the next song is, God, it's just, it's like the next song is yet another Madonna in a black leather or black vinyl outfit song. Uh, uh, like, do you, uh, well, yeah. And again, like what I wrote in my notes was, you know, in the Sex in the City movie when uh, they're all at brunch, but um, Lily, the three-year-old. Charlotte's right. kid is there and uh, so they have to pretend that and like Carrie is helping her color so they're talking about sex but they call it coloring right. and uh, Samantha as usual is being like I like to color outside the lines I like to color on you know outside and Carrie finally has to be like we get it you like to color like I was considering pulling a clip of that because really we get <laughs> it and but the thing is like the more you talk about it the less I feel like you actually enjoy sex, like you enjoy thinking about it and making other people think about it, but you don't actually really like doing it that much. Well, possibly, yes. But So the next song on the album, though, is Human Nature, which is a song that looks, sounds, and acts like erotica and many of those other sex songs. Oh, my God. Like there's a song on the erotica album called Where Life Begins, which is about oral sex. 
that is you think erotica is a tryhard song where life begins is a song <laughs> that includes the line colonel sanders said it best finger licking good put your knowledge to the test can you make a fire without using wood okay okay so but then you get the song human nature uh human nature which is a track from the bedtime stories album which came out in 94 and was actually not a hit single, although was massively praised by critics at the time as Madonna's great comeback song because it's got this funky beat and is about Madonna's anger and irritation that she was told by society and the media that she wasn't allowed to talk about sex. So she uses a very... Yeah, and there is a line... Oops. No, I couldn't talk about sex. And then door slamming. Like, and then she's always whispering. Like, I mean, she's Jesus. whispering, would it sound better if I were a man? And the truth is, I think that she's making an excellent point. Like, you know what? You're right. If a man had said this, and as many men did say this in their songs, we probably would not have acted like the entire world was going to burn down. And I think that what she was responding to, especially, was the outsized controversy that was following her around during this period. Like she went and said the F word on David Letterman and people acted like she had shot a child in the face or something. So, well, and that's definitely another, like that was on, um, I put that on previously TV in some context. And I was like, what's striking about that appearance is again, the try hard yes. aspect. Like she's clearly trying to annoy Dave and acting like a fucking adolescent about it. And it's like, I think she's absolutely right on the merits. There would not have been this brouhaha for anyone else, male or female, but I think her being a woman definitely had to do with it. So I agree with her point in the yes. lyric, but the lyric is clumsy and it's like the song underneath it, it deserves better than that. And also, girl, don't pretend like you didn't want this because you know you did. And it's also you are in con- like another thing. Again, Madonna's always in control. She didn't. Anyway, I just feel like that to me, human nature, I understand why it wasn't a hit. I feel like that this song, again, there's a heaviness to it and I want it to be lighter. The funk beat underneath this song, again, she was really good with the funk beats in the in the first half of the 90s. Yeah. And then she just kept putting this, like, fucking freshman Thanksgiving break yeah. garbage and on did it. Did you watch the video recently for this song? Uh, it's, it's a no. great video. And actually, the video is better than the song. It's her and a bunch of dancers in matching black vinyl outfits in these cubes, this wall of cubes. And they're doing this great choreography. Oh, yeah. And then there's this one part that. where she uses a writing crop to playfully spank a tiny chihuahua in S&M leather. And it's really funny. Like, like <laughs> I th- it's like that. there's the humor in the video that you wish that I wish she had put into the music, but she didn't. And so that's why for me, I put Human Nature in tenth place, mostly saved, I will say, by the beat. And uh, that's six points from me. Um, I had it just ahead of Erotica on my list um, at number twelve. So that's what is that? Four yes. points. Yeah. And then the um because like that that chorus will get in your head. Like I think she is a lightening yes. up a little. Just the lyrics are too on the and nose. And the patrons the had this song in the bottom cluster again and I therefore awarded it 2 points on their behalf. Right. 
Okay. Um, the next song is uh, Secret, which I believe is also from the Bedtime Stories album. Is that? It was the first single from the Bedtime Stories album. I yes. called for a clip. Let's have a listen. Happiness lies in your own hand. It took me much too long to understand. Okay, this is everything that erotica is straining like to hernia levels to be without Hallelujah, girl! I'm sorry to give away my feelings, but carry on. Uh, I love this song so goddamn much that I would marry it in a court of law. Um, this This vocal is very simple and mellow, and like this is the vocal of someone who just got laid unexpectedly great sex in the middle of the day vocal. Nothing nothing that special going on with the lyrics. It's just sexy. It's confident. She is so beautiful at this time. Like this um this iteration of Madonna, like East Village Madonna is gorgeous. I would absolutely try to take her home from a bar. The harmonies are beautiful. The guitar is just this like subtly funky thing that's not trying to do too much. It's just like this is the this is the story of new love and deep dicking, and I'm here for it. Number one, fifteen nice. points. Yeah, 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 yeah. And well, I'm I mean, gonna say I had a feeling that's where it was gonna place, and it it had a job holding off a couple other songs. But man, I just it's like everything that she does well, she is doing absolutely on eight cylinders in this song. I love it. I agree, and I feel like this is a song that is ripe for rediscovery because it has not become as canonical as Ray of Light, perhaps, or uh, or certainly any of her 80s hits, but this song, man, it is so good. And what you said about this is what erotica is trying to be, you're so right because it's just, it's just relaxed. It's just like, just girl, just take your foot off the gas for a minute and just chill and let sexiness come to us, you know, like... Let us come to your sexiness, I mean, instead of shoving it on us. And the groove of this song, the vocal, it reminds me actually of um, That's the Way Love Goes by Janet Jackson, which came out yes. right around the same time. Just like slinky, groovy, sexy. Uh, I also love this song for all of the reasons you mentioned. This song reached number three, and it was a great era for Madonna because this song was the first single from the first full album she released after erotica and people were thinking that her career actually might be over but instead she came back with this and was like nope and just as a little fun fact i believe that this is the first song that was ever teased online because madonna released a, a snippet of it on aol back in 1993 yeah here's another um fun fact for you 
The first single I ever bought was Madonna, causing a commotion. The last single I ever bought was this. Oh, shit. Yeah. Well, the patrons put this in the middle cluster, so that means I'm giving... Oh, I'm giving, patrons. I'm so sad. Well, here's my thinking. I think they might have done that because people either don't remember this song at all or haven't listened to it in such a long time that they don't remember how great it is. So if I, I think that must be it because, really, I listen to this song like at least once a week and multiple times, and I sing along and am not self-conscious about it. It's such a good song. So I love it. If you are listening to this and you haven't heard Secret ever or maybe in a long time, give yourself a treat. And to that, I will add, Sarah, that I put this in second place uh, and gave it 14 points. So a very okay. strong showing from Miss Secret today. Uh I think that our next song is not going to have a similarly <laughs> strong. <laughs> you might be right. Outing. Um, the next song is "Don't Cry for Me, Argentina." Um, and look, Evita, Madonna. Like I, I respect that she like set out to do this thing that really was a little too hard for her to do, and she pushed herself really hard, and she, she got it done. Yeah, but and. I don't think she'd do it again. And that's also correct. <laughs> like, she should not. Um, we, in the single that Mark mentioned, talked about You Must Love Me, which is a, you know, bathetic song that in which her vocal is actually better. Like, she's immediately flat in this song. This was the take they used. Like, what the fuck is going on? And they, I know the, and, you know. And just from a musical theater nerd perspective, they lowered the key on this song really low, like from the penthouse that that Patty Lapone was singing in down into the sub basement, and she still was not yeah. sounding correct. And look, a lot of like I respect her ambition, and I also respect that a lot of what I dislike about this song is the song, um, the build. Uh, of the song is actually a little strange. Like, even for Andrew Lloyd Webber, it's just, like, very... There's this weird, like, act structure within the song that does not work for me. That's not on her, but, it, like, compared to everything else on this album, like, I would rather listen to Nothing But Erotica all day ah. than have to interact with Don't Cry For Me Argentina again because I was kind of crying from boredom and despair. This is dead last for me. Number 15, single point. So what I will say is I don't understand why they chose to put the movie version of the song on the collection when it was the Miami mix of the song that was actually the hit, the radio hit and the club right. hit because... This single reached number eight, which is kind of crazy if you think about the fact that Don't Cry For Me Argentina in any iteration reached the top ten. It is, I know. I know. And that God. was in 1996, and it is the most recent song that was originated by a Broadway musical to reach the top ten in the United States. So think about that for a minute, too. Uh, it's... Dear Yvonne Elliman, please yeah, come and rescue us from this. But, so it's really Madonna who is the reason that Andrew Lloyd Webber can claim to have written a top 10 hit. The Miami mix of this song, I don't know, Sarah, if you were familiar with it, but it's like the thumping, badass dance version of this. And it is so good because Madonna re-recorded the vocal for the Miami mix of the song. And she sings right. it in a club way and there's this amazing crazy ass part where all of the backing vocalists from the film are going evita evita but there's this like uh, uh, 
uh, uh, beat underneath it, and it's insane. However, that is not the version that is on this album. It's, <laughs> no. it, it's brilliant. It's so it's like the gayest thing ever. But that's not the version that's on this collection. Instead, we have the soppy, terrible the version that we don't even have the the visuals of the movie to rescue us from. It's also last place for me. Uh, I don't pretend to understand, but the patrons put it in the the penultimate tier, which means that it gets five points. Like there were more people that liked this song than voted for uh, many other songs. But from you and me both, it gets a mere one point. <laughs> wow. I'm glad we agreed on that, at least. Let us literally never speak of it. <laughs> so next up uh, is the song Bedtime Story. And I don't think we have a clip for this. Am I correct? We do not. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. I don't have a ton to say about this, except, um, well, first of all, please stop grunting in songs. Madonna. <laughs> thank you. Um, but like when you when you look up who has a co-writing credit on the song, all of a sudden a lot of things make sense. I think I'm I know what you of mean. Course, of Bjork, yes. That you're like today is the last day I'm using words. What kind of that's not a Madonna lyric. Oh, um, the ending is also very Bjorky, like that it just sort of drops the mic. The song. Um, but I I sort of forgot what this song even was and. It's fallen right out of my head again. I don't. I wasn't mad at it, but it was just okay. There were a lot of songs I like better than this song, so I had it at number eleven with five points. Fair enough. And this song, uh, to me, is really more about its incredible music video, which includes, among other things, Madonna giving birth to a flock of doves, which is a a look <laughs> that Acid Betty recreated on RuPaul's Drag Race for the Madonna runway. Um, but this music video is outstanding, but I have honestly never known what to think about or do with this song. This song is also like seven minutes long. Like, why is it so long? You're not... Yeah, why is it so Girl, long? Girl, if this is the last day you're using words, you still won't shut up about it, will you? <laughs> That's the truth, Ruth. Uh, so I don't have a real problem with this song. It's just that this song has never really done anything for me, and... This is another example. This is um, a great example, I should say, of Madonna in the 90s and early 2000s making room on all of her albums for at least one wild sonic experiment. And you've got a song like Shanti Ashtangi from the Ray of Light album. You've got a song like Impressive Instant from the Music album, where she is trying things out sonically that are really weird, really electronic, sort of Isaac. Isaac yeah. from the Confessions. Oh, gosh, you're right. It goes well I mean, into... I fucking love Isaac, but Jesus Christ. It's like you're entering minute 10. Like, where even are and that, we? That, right yeah, now? and that like weird Sufi priest is singing in the background, and you're like, okay. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. And also... It out. So you're right. This is, But this is, in a way, the, the kickoff song for like 20 years of Madonna just trying some really weird shit out with electronic music. And so I will say to you, Madonna... Not that you will ever listen to this. Praise, girl. I'm glad that you're uh, good on you for choosing to push yourself and push the boundaries of what you're doing instead of just making the same album over and over again. This is truly, this would be truly mystifying to someone who heard Borderline and then you played this and you were like, it's the same person, right? So there's a lot of growth. <laughs> there's a lot of experimentation here. But at the same time, this song doesn't really 
quite stick in my head either. And I actually put it in 14th place with two points. Okay. And uh, again, it's like, I don't hate this song. And the only song on this album that I truly hate is Don't Cry For Me, Argentina. Like, the rest of them that are on my lower end, I'm just like, meh. So this one is 14th place, two points. And then uh, it's also in the lower cluster for the listeners, the patrons. So it gets two points from them as well. And next, that brings us to the third single from the Ray of Light album, The Power of Goodbye. Which is, I think, a wonderful ballad uh, that I wish, in retrospect, I had clipped. But then we couldn't clip literally every song. So things had to be chosen. Decisions had to be made. Yeah, I was considering clipping it, too. But in case you're like, I don't remember which one this is. It's the um, one where she's playing chess with Goran Visnier. Yeah, <laughs> with um, the beautiful long, dark hair. Oh, my God. His, and that she like saw him in Welcome to Sarajevo and was like, him. And... Uh-huh. That's right. <laughs> That's correct. Um I I like this track a lot. Uh I love this like dark and rainy blue light period of her videos. Uh that sourball vocal affectation in her pronunciations has begun. Uh, yes. I don't love that. Sure. Uh it takes me out of the atmosphere of it uh somewhat. And there's something about this track, like, it needed either to be more bombastic or stripped down. Like, it's it's not quite, like, it should have pushed even harder, I think, and didn't. But I still like the song. I enjoy listening to it. And it was directly in the center of my list uh, at number eight with eight points. All right. And the listeners also put it in the bottom cluster with two points. And again, I just think it's because they don't remember it. Uh, maybe I'm wrong, but... This song stopped at number 11 on the Billboard Hot 100, which is like the most agonizing place for a single to stop. You're so close to the top 10 and you don't <laughs> quite get there. I put this song really high, honestly. I've always thought it was so beautiful. And I was in a relationship with a boy at the time that this song was out. I was a freshman in college. And I just remember thinking um, that the lyrics, You were my lesson. I had to learn. I was your fortress. Oh, you had to burn. I was like, that is our breakup. Oh my God, that is uh -huh. our breakup. Oh, and yeah. um, I'm actually still friends with the guy that I was breaking up with at the time. So if you're listening, hey, Adam. Uh, but anyway, I put this song at fifth place, uh, 11 points from me. Okay. Hello. And we do have a clip for the next cut. This is the theme, or not theme, but this is the soundtrack hit from Austin Powers 2, and this is Beautiful Stranger. So I called for this clip, but Sarah, I'd love to hear your thoughts first. Um, I first like to say that like my ranking of this is going to sound like I maybe didn't like it that much. And I really do. Uh, 
I like the song a lot. She looks great. She sounds imperfect, but that's what I think is fun about this song is that she is actually having fun. Like, I mean, Madonna style for her. Um, I wouldn't say that it would be possible for her after like 1988 to be like unencumbered by expectations, but this is among the closest um, examples that, that I would that I would point to that um, this sort of is like the end of that exhausting, turgid, strained era. Um, I would say, and like it, it was just kind of unexpected that she would do this, and like for a sequel. So yeah, this is a this is a fun song. Like it's comparatively direct and unpretentious and fun. I like it. Number nine, nice. seven points, and the listeners. Clearly, you said seven. That's seven points for this. You said yes. The listeners clearly Correct. like this song, and I'm. It, it's in second place on the poll, and so it gets um, fourteen points from them. And I was thinking the other day when I was preparing for this episode about what you said during our single about Madonna's lost hits, meaning her hits that are not on either the Immaculate Collection or GHV two. And you pointed out that with songs from soundtracks, she often seems unencumbered by whatever phase of her career she has constructed. And I think this yeah. is a great example of that. She's just, yeah. Liminal Madonna. This is yes, just, totally. Madonna makes a weird sort of groovy song with William Orbit, who produced the Ray of Light album. I love this song because of its many parts. There are so many different sections of the song that are all really fun. And I just live for the part where she goes, da 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 and I can remember that I was in England on a study abroad program in college in the summer of 99 when this song was a hit. And I was listening to it on my disc man because, of course, I was. And because uh, you could actually buy this song as a single CD in England that summer. You could never buy it as a single in America. It was only able to chart based on airplay, which is why it only peaked at number 19. If it had been available to purchase as a single and had gotten those points, I am convinced it would have gone to the top three. But it didn't. Whatever. But uh, in England, I was listening to this, and I remember when it got to that part, I couldn't help myself in the bus that we were on, and I just threw my hands up over my head and did a little shaky side-to-side dance move for the da-da-da-da part. And I remember that the person sitting next to me, she said, you've got to be listening to Beautiful Stranger. That's the only song that that move makes sense for. And I was like, you know what? You're actually, you're correct. (laughs) And that is true of this song. And any song that just requires you to throw your hands up over your head like that is all right by me. And I put this song in third place and I gave it 13 points. Nice. We don't have a clip for our next one, which is... uh you know, the order of these is sort of like shuffled up chronologically. So uh, right before Beautiful Stranger, we had the um, blue video gels, uh, Power of Goodbye. And now we're back to that with this track, which is Frozen. Um, the the chorus of this is, I think, much better than the verse. Uh, but I love this video. She looks so beautiful. I love dark haired Madonna. Uh the chorus is very dreamy and pretty. Um, it, it's, you know, like it's a little pretentious. Like there's a little bit of um, like in the lyricism, there's a little bit of um, just like it's a little sophomoric. Um, and the song is too long. But there's something about the song that that gets me. It's just like very broody and it just hits me where I 
hits me where I live, I guess. So I had it at number seven with nine points. Nice. And also in the video, she at one point smashes to the ground and turns into ravens or something, which I've always loved. Uh, this is a song that I really do like. And like you were saying a second ago, the ranking of it is going to make it seem like I don't like it, but it's, I do like it. It's just that there's a lot of songs on this album and something's got to go at the bottom part. Uh, this song is, <laughs> is seductive and mysterious and it really is another musical experiment from her that turned into a huge hit. It reached number two in the United States, which who other than Madonna in 1998 could turn a song like frozen into a number two single, you know? But uh, I am placing this song at number 11, which will mean it gets five points from me. And the patrons put it in the third cluster, so it gets eight points from them. Okay. Let's take a quick break from our Madonna-thon to enjoy our latest pop chart astrology reading. Yes, that's when I can tell a listener the destiny of their success based on the song that was number one the day that they were born. Today's reading goes out to Cheyenne. Hello, Cheyenne. As you well know, you were born on February 25th, 1979, and that means that the number one song the day that you were born was Do You Think I'm Sexy?, by Rod Stewart. Now, if you've listened to our recent episode of the podcast where we talk about 10 songs in 20 minutes, then you might recall that Sarah and I are neither one of us big fans of this particular Rod Stewart jam. However, it doesn't matter what we think about it, girl. This is not about the destiny of critical evaluation. This is about the destiny of success. So whether or not you like this song, just remember, this is the song that was number one the day you were born. It has something to teach you. But before we dig into that, let's listen to a clip. Okay, so here are the things that you need to know, I feel, about this song. Uh, first of all, it was a wild departure for Rod Stewart from his rock roots. It was a disco-style dance rock song. And at the time that it was released, there were many people who said that they just felt wounded and betrayed that Rod Stewart would turn to disco at this time. And, you know, we were right on the cusp of the disco sucks backlash and whatever, but Rod Stewart did what he wanted. And he also consciously admitted later that he lifted parts of this song from other songs. Uh, there was one song whose piano arrangement he said he knowingly copied, and then later he also admitted that he had unconsciously plagiarized a song called Taj Mahal, and he paid for that in court. So at the end of the day, there was a lot of controversy swirling around this song. But at the same time, it was number one in America for four weeks. It was number one in England. It was number one in Australia. It ended up being a very enduring hit that has been covered frequently, including recently by the band Dance, D-N-C-E, which you might know for the song Cake by the Ocean. And Rolling Stone even eventually declared it was one of the 500 best songs of all time. So what does this mean for you, Cheyenne? Here's what I think it means. Uh, this could be personal or professional. It's up to you to decide, of course. But there's some element of your success that is going to be defined by your willingness not to take the rules that seriously. 
you know, yes, people might complain that you're a rocker and you shouldn't be making disco, but there's something in you that sees an appeal in something that's quote-unquote outside of your purview. And your success, again, is going to be based on your ability to not really care if people get up in arms about it. It's actually not your problem. And if along the way your success requires you leaning on certain people, taking inspiration from certain people, own it. Don't worry about it. You know, we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to act like we are the sole authors of our entire lives when, in fact, we are all taking bits and pieces from people who are all around us. So, you know, like Rod Stewart, openly acknowledge what you've done. It's not like it's a problem. Just acknowledge it. And if you can insouciantly break the rules and happily acknowledge who helped you do it, then you're going to find that you have done something that gives you a great deal of lasting success. And even the people who initially resisted your efforts to make changes for yourself will eventually come around And not only see that what you've done is worthwhile, but probably end up copying you, remaking your hit. So that's what I would say. Cheyenne, I hope that you enjoyed this reading. And listeners, if you would like a pop chart song reading for yourself or someone you love, just send us an email at talkaboutsongs at gmail.com and we will let you know how to make that happen. And now, back to 90s era Madonna. Next, we're talking about, uh, next, we're going back in time to bedtime stories again, and, I think. With and Take can I bow. just say, the Immaculate Collection put the songs in chronological order, and that just makes more sense to me. Like, wh- why are we going from Frozen back to Take a Bow? We, I don't know. We just are. Uh, yeah, I don't either. Um, regardless, uh, I did call for a clip from this one, so let's have a listen. That backing vocal is everything. Uh, I love the I love this vocal from her. Um, again, not perfect. It's not that beautiful, but it's genuine and seems very sweet and felt in the in the morning that it's doing. Um, it is ironic, I guess, that this lyric about um, loving an ambitious attention whore <laughs> is. <laughs> One of the ones in which she seems the most vulnerable. Uh, But I have always loved this song. Uh, I can never not sing along with it and sort of like make dramatical hand gestures. Um, And this era, I I think, is very underrated from from her. But not by me, because this is my number two. Oh, damn. 
Yeah, well, and did you know that this is her longest running number one song? Really? Seven weeks. Uh, it's the longest that any one of her songs spent at number one. Yes. That, I would never guess that. Never. Well, and it's it's really got more to do with the way that the charts were compiled in the 80s versus the mid-90s, because this was a hit in 95. But still, you know, it was a seven weeks in any era is a big deal. Yeah. So, yeah, this was a huge hit. And uh, the patrons also quite liked it, and they put it in fourth place with you know enough votes that it stood out as, as being at number four. So it got 12 points from them. And, like, look, listen, again, there just have to be songs on the lower <laughs> end, right? I really like this song. I have always liked it. It's really good to hear it again because it reminds you that Madonna was able to get with Babyface and do that mid-'90s R&B just like everybody else and, like, Really, this song is beautiful. It's lush. Um, I love the video with the bullfighter. So but I put this song in 12th place. It bounced around a lot. I, I, I guess, I don't know. I think maybe the day I was doing this, I was just in the mood for beats. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, but I don't I do, know. Like, I thought this was going to be number one. And then when I had it up against Secret, I was like, the thing is, though, Secret is like, it's more her and it's right. yeah like but i don't know i've always loved this song like the minute i heard it i was like i just stopped where i was and then was like where's the nearest hmv got to have this well and so did good. you so let's so both of your top two songs come from the bedtime stories album yeah let's let's talk about the song on that album i'd rather be your lover with michelle and Cello. do you remember that one i don't holy shit sarah i think you need to as soon as we stop this recording you have to go find it it is so sexy. It is the third track on the Bedtime Stories album. It's got this incredible bass line from Michelle and Degaiacello, plus this sexy as F rap breakdown from her. It is so good. And I feel like that that album as a whole is supremely underrated because there are so many great songs on it. And Take a Bow is one of them too. There's a song on there called Forbidden Love, which is another babyface slow jam that's I great. I love that song. Oh, yeah. In your eyes. Ooh, you just feel your... You, as Pam Ribbon would say, you can strip to it. Yeah, you for sure can strip to it. So I have called for a clip from our next song, which is Ray of Light, the title track from the Ray of Light album. Let's hear it. God, okay, I have two stories, Sarah, that I have to tell you. I can't, forgive me if you've heard these stories before. The first time I ever heard this song, I was a freshman in college. My friend Brant and I went to the midnight release of this album at the Tower yes, Records I in Atlanta. I think you have told this story on this very podcast. Well, I'll just, so I think you're right. I cannot remember the episode, but I'll just quickly say probably some Madonna-related episode. There have been several. So let me just quickly remind you then, listeners and Sarah, that we went to the midnight release and we heard, I remember so clearly being in Brant's 
silver convertible with the top down, driving home through the midnight streets of Atlanta, listening to this album. And we both lost our goddamn minds when we heard this song for the first time. I, we looked at each other and it was like, you're 19 and a song is so great. And you both love it in exactly the same way. And the first time she went, and I feel, we lost our minds. We drove, we woke our friend Loren up after midnight yeah. and we're like girl you <laughs> have got to hear this part right like, now get up get your ass up out of bed and uh i'm so friends with loren so clearly i she liked the song too or otherwise i guess i wouldn't be and then the other thing and i wrote a poem about that night later because i was 19 and that's what i did i wrote a poem yes i did and then a few years later i was hosting a party at the house where i was an ra and we was called the spice house students programming for international cultural exchange but the year that I was the, the the two years that I was the RA there, it ended up being mostly the weird art kids house, which of course made it paradise for me. And uh, we had a thing that I called Club Spice because we lived in an actual house on the campus of the university, and we had this huge living room that we turned into a space for dance parties, hence Club Spice. And I was having such a good time and perhaps had been drinking even though I was underage, and as an RA, of course, I should never have done that. And in retrospect, I would never admit it. What? Don't listen to me. The point is... I really had had too much to drink and I really needed to stop because I had been dancing so hard and had not been drinking water. But this song came on and I could not help myself. I continued to dance and then I danced so hard that I collapsed to the ground, went into the bathroom and puked. Yes, I danced to Ray of Light until I puked and I have no regrets. (laughs) I can't really follow that. I will say that... um... My notes don't usually take place in all capital letters, but for this, uh, the note is basically chair dancing yes. in capital letters. It is immediate. It is unstoppable. This vocal is actually pretty bad. It's squawky and all over the place, and you could tell someone tried to talk her out of it, and she was like, fuck you, dude, and it completely works for me. I adore it for that, that she's just like, no, 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 here's what we're doing. Um, I gotta scream it out. Like, Yeah, Uh, it's so like, it's so real and like the power of joy. This album hasn't aged as well as some, but this song is like, oh my God, like this is an immediate like clarion call to the dance floor and to your earbuds and to your life. Uh, I love the vibe. I I love that the vocal is like, like (laughs) sometimes she's just like sparks are flying off it. And you're like, that's cool. Like she'll, she's coming back down. It's okay. (laughs) Everything's under control. Um, I totally understand how you were like, I might puke, but I'm going to, I'm going to persist. What am I supposed to do? You can't resist it. You can't turn your hips off when this song comes on. Like you're a robot. Yeah. I mean, just, this is a outstanding production of a pop song and i had it uh way up there number three nice and the last thing i will say stories about ray of light i feel like that's a separate podcast now i when i first saw madonna on tour in 2001 that's the first time i'd ever seen her i was so ready for that concert i've been waiting basically my whole life to see her and when she sang this song i never will forget that i had the sensation of leaving my body and i thought this is beatlemania this is what people this is why People go crazy at concerts because it was the uh, yeah oh, the entire. I also saw I saw her uh, do this on the only Madonna tour I've ever been to, which was music. Oh yeah, so it's the same tour. It's the Drowned World tour. Yeah. yeah. Um. So we may have been in Madison Square Garden. At oh the no, same I time. was in I Atlanta at the Georgia Dome. 
Ah, uh, gotcha. Okay. I had literally the worst seat in the entire house. It was still fantastic. And I um, pogoed to this song so hard that I almost broke my yep. ankle. So, yeah, Ray of Light may cause injuries. But it's worth it. Vomit, you might puke. You might write a terrible poem. You might break your ankle. Doesn't matter. <laughs> Keep going. Anything could happen. Buckle the fuck so, up. So I think that this is not only the best song on this album. I think it is not only the best single that Madonna released in the 90s. I think it is one of the three or four best singles of the 90s. And therefore, it is obviously my number one. It is also the number one for the patrons. Uh, so we both give the song 15 wow. points. And yet the song only picked at number five. But it was also her first song to get a Grammy nomination for Record of the Year. So I feel like this is the song that... When, when Madonna was like a mother with her like beautiful long brown hair, this was the song and the album where people were allowed to like Madonna again and also sort of critically appreciate her. Her career has been very long yeah. and had a lot of phases, but this was a, an up phase for her, certainly. Oh, shit. Okay, I wore myself out talking about that one. But next is the... I know. Do you have to no. go puke? Or I, think we, I've, uh... I've, I've, okay. I think my stomach is settled, but I'll let you talk about the next song. Okay, we don't have a clip for this one, which is Don't Tell Me, which I'd forgotten about this song, or I guess I just forgot what it was called. Um, Please don't tell me to stop. Don't you ever uh, stop. I, I love the chopped up acoustic break that starts it, and this is one of her strongest vocals, I think. Like, I, I think the lyrics are good, and also they just kept her in a zone where she could just sing from her, from her, um, from her core. A little more and who has a stronger core the madonna nobody uh maybe it's a little too long but it's also really a smart song like the way it's put together is very uh mm. savvy and uh she seems like she's out of her own head it yeah you know like she's just like she built the song she performed the song and she's not like She's not trying to also sell you this like parallel narrative about her life at the same time as the song. There's yeah. just the song. And I went back and listened to it again because I was like, am I like, you know, I feel like maybe I'm rating the song too high. But then I was like, no, I, I'm really enjoying this reunion with this song, which I think as like production craft is one of her best efforts. I think it's a really good song, and I had it at number five. I think it's points. a great song, too. And interestingly, it is co-written by her brother-in-law, of all things. Joe Henry is his name. Huh. And he is okay. he is an cool. alternative folk song singer-songwriter, which I think actually speaks to some of the stuff that's going on here. Uh, yeah. But I, I love agree. it. And I think, I, like you, this is a song that bounced around a lot for me on my rankings because like you, I kept thinking, do I like it as much as I think I do? And the answer is yes. Uh, this song reached number four in 2001. It was the second single from the music album. And I see why, quite frankly, it's fantastic to me. I have it at number seven, which means that I gave it nine points and the patrons put it in the secondary tier. So they gave it eight points. And I'm sorry, could you tell me, tell me again how wow. many... Wow. I wouldn't have expected that. Tell me again how many points you gave it. I gave it 11 points. Yeah, a very strong showing from Don't Tell Me. So, All right. thumbs up. One of the many reasons I love doing these ranking episodes. You, Surprises. Truly, you never Plot know. Plot twists. 
So I have pulled a clip from our next single, which is the third single from the music album. Uh, it peaked at a rather lowly number 23, partially, I think, because the music video was to some terrible remix and it was all a big statement about George W. Bush and it was just Madonna at her political worst. But here, the song is called What It Feels Like for a Girl, and here's the clip. So I called for I am so interested to hear why you asked for a clip. Yeah, and I will say up front, I don't have this song ranked particularly high. I put it in ninth place, and the patrons had it in the lower tier and give it three points. But I love this song all the same. You know, it's just, again, like things had to go somewhere. But I wanted to call for a clip from this song because this is such an unusual aspect of Madonna's musical personality, which is about empathy she's not like in human nature furiously railing against her haters or the men who hold her down here she is trying to call attention to the plight of being a woman in the western world through an empathetic look at someone who isn't herself and i just think that that's such a nice perspective for her to take and there's such a a a broad worldview here that i wanted to celebrate frankly and i also think that the bubbly uh production on the song is lovely the the melody of the chorus is lovely so i think this is uh that's charlotte gainsborg at the beginning whispering oh yes you boys can wear uh, girls can wear jeans and cut their hair short and all that and i just think it's you know it's one of those songs that if you listen to it and you're like yeah there is a there is something very true about these lyrics and it's an unassuming song it's not yelling at you it's seducing you with a nice little rhythm and i like it i like it too um the opening is on the nose but this is one of those songs that like it does grow on you um i I think that the production as you say is perfectly matched to the content um i'm not totally convinced that she does that she knows what it does feel like for any like real girl because she so long ago left the world of mortals yeah, fair. herself. But you wonder if like having had a daughter influenced her in terms of like her thoughts about this and sort of trying to put herself in someone else's shoes or just have like a slightly toned down version of her usual humorless protest, right. which this is. But I will also say this song is fantastic live. Huh which you would not expect, but it's like a little, it was like a little harder edged, but then there was also like a sing-along that she did because she knows her audience and she's not wrong. Um, But yeah, like I, this ended up higher than I thought it would going in, but it's still not that high just because there's a lot of songs and I just adore some of them and everything has to go somewhere, which is why this went at number 10. Six points. Very good. So did she sing this on the Drowned World Tour? I mean, 
That's where I, I saw just had it. no memory of that, and I was there. But it's been 17 years, so I'll cut myself some slack. Yeah, it's it's been a minute. It's been a minute. Um, speaking of no memory of things, and the Drowned World <laughs> tour, actually, as it were. Yeah, Drowned World slash whatever. The <laughs> Substitute the for love. Is. Yes. Um, I don't hate it, but I don't really like it either. Uh, we did not call for a clip. You're welcome. The The pace and the lyrics are both back to that, like, turgidity that is not working for me. It's And it's sort of a step back from that, like, franker and less self-serious direction that she'd been going at this time. Um, and then this is another one where you're like, oh, Rod McEwen has a writing credit. That's both amazing and not surprising at all. Um this is, yeah, I mean, everything does have to go somewhere, and I just don't need this song in my life. Um, And even uh, musically, like, or, okay, erotica is goofy, but there's that hot drum. This does not have that. Um, So I will be leaving Drowned World in a boot full of water, 14, two points. You know, we are very closely aligned on this one. I put it in 13th place, uh, which gives it three points, and the patrons... Also give it a three-point berth. This song is, to me, on the. it's the very first song on the Ray of Light album. And to me, it's the song you want to hurry up and get through so that you can get to Swim, Ray of Light, Skin, Sky Fits Heaven. The, like, really good songs on the album. So, yeah, yeah, it's fine. It was a top ten hit in England. It was never even released as a single in the United States. I, I'm confused as to why it's even on this album or why it's on the American release of this album. Uh, there, frankly, were other songs that she could have put here. Like, Rain is not on this album. So, huh. Yeah, what? Okay, weird. I don't know. But anyway, uh, yeah, so uh, three points from me, two points from you, three points from the patrons. But then we're going to end on, I think I, we, I think we will both agree, we're going to end on a higher note, which is with the song Music. And Sarah, you have a clip, if I'm not Yes. Saying. I did, um, and I hope that it uh, conveys the way in which this song got my attention immediately. Hey, Mr. DJ, put a record on. I want to dance with my baby. My downstairs neighbors at 234th Avenue probably still hate this song. Um, I put the disc in. I, I, you know, turned the volume up a little, and then I just kept turning it up, 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 up as the song kept going on. 
that like hey mr dj bit is great that shimmery synth on the bridge like i was like i'm gonna love this album like a like it's a human child and i have always uh I don't know, like the vocal, especially on the chorus, is not so strong. But in the beginning, like in that first verse, she's just like, this is someone who is completely confident and in control of what's about to happen. And you just like turn yourself over to Madonna to like Dr. Madonna is going to take care of your shit. And she does. It's the perfect length. It's extremely danceable. And like, it's just called music like, only <laughs> madonna okay Bite only all that madonna off, is gonna go be ahead. like you know what the I mean... entirety of music can be encompassed by me here you here you go yeah <laughs> he's like she's like i am coming at you bros here i am and she does it i mean look i i wished that there could be like 15 number ones or you know 12 number ones and then making fun of erotica and then evita but i mean there can't be so i was obliged to park this in fourth but i absolutely had to have a clip because the mastery of just getting your attention and then paying off the stunt on this song is like i'd salute her she is a fucking genius of build, and this song is great. Holy Number shit. Four, yes, four yes, yes. And let me say, if I was your RA and you did not care for gayish culture, woe betide you. Because when this single came out during my second year as an RA, <laughs> I had a house program in which we danced to this song. It was literally just to listen to and dance to music. And not everyone came... And I guess I can understand it, but honestly, why would you not come? This song is so fucking good. And we didn't even talk about the bridge when all of the music just drops out and she does that super, like, acoustic, hey, Mr. DJ, repeat. And then she goes, uh, uh, uh. And you're like, yes, this is when you should grunt Uh, in a song, uh, Madonna, uh, uh, right here. Yes. And she, like because she's not really like she's talking about music and its power which of course does have to do with sex doy but because she's not talking about like you know that it's like 10 years later and she's figured out that you don't actually have to be listing like every like the names that you gave your major <laughs> minor labia like nobody fucking cares like you have to make it a metaphor and then it's sexy and it's like f- s- finally that light bulb went off for her because this is a very sexy track it's because of the confidence and the control and i mean you know she she looks great but she also sounds great she sounds content and focused and it's like all right stop bragging that you frenched a girl and we all went to college like chill and this is what happens when she finally figures out like you actually have to leave one piece of clothing on and suggest totally. And it's ironic because like, the okay, video I've always thought was not nearly as good as the song because it is so explicit. And Sasha Baron Cohen is yeah. in it, and that's oh god, yeah, that was. I mean, you know, look, she but she the can't song is what endures sometimes. more than the video, and oh my god, and this was her twelfth and almost yes. certainly final number one hit. But hey, if this is the one that's going to be your last one, good on you. I love this song too. Um, I know. Although I'm just shocked that Confessions on a Dance Floor well, didn't just like drop well, over the top ten. Like that's on America because Hung Up America. was a number one song in so many countries. This is not a joke. 
it is in the Guinness Book of World Records as being number one in the most countries, but America stopped it at number seven, and that's on us because Hung Up is a great song. Yeah. Well, it's not on you and I, for sure. <laughs> no, I, I would have... Uh, that song was number one in my heart for a long time. I would have physically time. carried like, master tapes to whatever office and been like, here. <laughs> Put it on! Figure it out. So I feel like that this is one of the seven truly... Uh, I, there's just a lot of songs on this collection that I like, and it speaks a lot to Madonna that her second decade greatest hits collection, I'm still like, yeah, these are my shit, these are my jams. But I put this song at number six uh, and gave it 10 points, and the patrons loved it and put it in third and gave it 13 points. There you go. So, Sarah, would you like me to tell you what our bottom and top three songs are? I would. Well, I'd be happy to tell you. Would you, would you like Madonna to talk to you about bottoms? Because yes. she, she's into doing that, and I have a feeling it's going to cost some of these songs. So, Let's hear it. Our last play song, and this is only because of the patrons that this song, that Don't Cry For Me Argentina is not last, and it's only because of the patrons, is what I will say. Uh, but um, well. the uh, our last play song is Drowned World, because it's just, I think, a song that nobody cares about. Yeah, that's that's about right. I don't think she even cared about it that much. And then next to last is Bedtime Story. So Drowned World had eight points, and then Bedtime Story had nine points. Okay. And then in a two-way tie for next to last, to la- next to next to last is uh, "Don't Cry for Me, Argentina" and "Human Nature" with twelve points each. Huh. All right. And then Not how I saw that going. Then I am delighted to say that in third place is music with thirty-five Aww. points. Hey, buddy. And I, I'm, I feel like that our top two are almost inevitable, but it's as it should be. Number two with thirty-seven points is "Secret." Okay. And number one with 43 points is Ray of Light. Wow. It's hard to be mad at any of those top three. No, I am absolutely not mad at any of this. And I am, as usual, not mad at Mad Anna because uh, this is like, it's always just such a pleasure to go through these. Like even her crappiest outings or like when she's just being such an annoying, like, She's like, I pierced my clit. And you're like, we know. We follow you on Insta. I um, went and pierced it. Now it's really pierced. And there's a ring inside river. of Mighty River. <laughs> uh, listeners. Of sexual references. Um, yeah, that, that'll that come back. Yeah, listeners, week, you'll folks. know what that joke um, means soon enough. Yeah, this is what happens when we record out of order. Uh, even the bad songs are like... I feel like we have all sort of lived with her and been thinking about her for so long that even the bad songs are like, you can, you understand why something went wrong and what went wrong. And then there's still songs that you're like, I don't care. Like, this is pretty bad, but I I still love it. That, I don't know. It's like her music is like family, that there's always like a couple cousins that you're like, well, like, you know, I guess if Secret's coming over, then we're going to have to feed You Must Love Me, yeah, too. Like, so, that cause like, get out the card table and let's get this done. She like, babysitting. I don't know. Well, here's the thing. <laughs> if you add together the Immaculate Collection episode, this episode, the Get Together episode, and the single about her lost hits, we have discussed almost 50 Madonna songs on this podcast, and I still want to talk about more. That's because there's just always more to say. Oh, no. I'm like just trying to figure out on which... Um, 
like every tenth episode, we will be ranking confessions yeah, on the dance floor. Seriously, and, yeah, because <laughs> like there are songs. So warning, that's coming. I mean, it'll probably be months before we get back to this. But let me just say, there is a song on Confessions on the Dance Floor that I think should have been a number one single, and it was never even released as a single. And if I had to say, it would have been number one for like five weeks. One of my all which uh, one push is one of my all time favorite Madonna songs. Okay. Yeah. I don't think I, I mean, I must know that one. How does you it go? You push me to go the extra mile. You push me when it's difficult to smile. You pu- anyway, we'll get to it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, we will. We'll, we'll get to all of them. We, ha- we will not rest until we have discussed every single song Madonna. Ever like sang. episode 300, the, 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 the 12th song on all of her albums, like track 12. Or it's like, <laughs> or it's like episode 420, like, um. Some grainy YouTube video of her singing "Happy Birthday." <laughs> <laughs> They're like, we can't get the rights to this, but trust us, y'all. When she, it was a little pitchy. <laughs> uh. Exactly. Uh, well, oh my god. Well, obviously, Sarah, it's always a joy to be talking about Miss Madge with you. Hmm. Uh, I feel the same. And Patreons, thank you so much for your help. Uh, we always love hearing, especially when it goes like when it zags, <laughs> that we're like, what? That's that's my favorite part, um, frankly. So uh, I think these results are correct and I am prepared to certify them as gold. Agreed. <laughs> I'm coming down right now. I'm walking down the back steps. This is Mark and Sarah Talk About Songs, hosted by Mark Blankenship and Sarah D. Bunting. That's me. And edited by Sarah D. Bunting. That's also me. Do you need to talk to Mark and Sarah about song requests, ads, or birthday readings? Here's how. Email us at talkaboutsongs at gmail.com, tweet at us at TalkSongs, or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash podcast. And you can become a supporter and producer of this podcast at our Patreon page. That's at patreon.com slash Thanks for listening. Sarah talk, Mark and Sarah talk, Mark and Sarah talk about songs, talk about songs. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. 
Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.